Welcome to Table Flipping. I'm actress Taylor Mishak. And I'm writer Alyssa Littman. Join us as we sit down with guests to unpack how the fascinating, messy women of reality TV have shaped our lives. And of course, dish about Bravo, The Bachelor, and everything in between. Thanks Thanks for for listening. Welcome to Table Flipping. This is Alyssa. And I'm Taylor. Wow, she said it differently this time. <laughs> you saw me physically prepare myself to say it differently. Very good. Alyssa, how are you? I'm so good. Um, I have a fun little celeb sighting story to share with the podcast today. Yes. So I went out to coffee with somebody who is uh, helping me out with some career advice. And we went to Jones on 3rd in Studio City. Um, and we're sitting there at a table. It's like 10 in the morning or so. And the person, you know, we're mid-conversation. The person goes, oh, so sorry. I have to go say hi to somebody behind you real quick. I'm like, oh, no problem. I, you know, I don't know. I thought it was like a friend, whatever. I turn around Six inches from me is Natalie Portman, (laughs) no makeup, dressed completely like cash, looking gorgeous, gorgeous skin, gorgeous teeth, like hair half up, half down, looking like a real cutie. (laughs) And it was this awkward situation where I was like too close to not be directly within the interaction. Mm -hmm. So I was sort of half turned around towards the counter you could see that they could see that we were clearly talking like together at that table a second ago. But I was like, do I, you know, if it was a normal person, I'd be like, hi, I'm Alyssa. Nice to meet you. Whatever. I I totally froze up. So I turned back around and started looking at my phone as if I'm too important to talk to Natalie Portman. (laughs) And then the best part was the person that I was with, she finishes her hug, whatever. She comes and sits down across from me and I'm thinking, oh, okay, she's going to explain how she knows Natalie Portman now. And my face started like going crazy. Like my eyes were popping out and my mouth was like, oh my God, like mouthing that. And she picks up in our conversation as if nothing had ever happened. Like as if she had just said hi to some casual person. And I was like, oh my God, she's not even going to. She doesn't even give a fuck. No, she's not. She's so like cool that she's not even as if that just happens to her wherever she goes, like A-list celebrities hugging her. Um, And then I realized like, okay, Natalie's probably still really close behind me. So once she scoots away, like I'm going to casually be like, hey, um, was that Natalie Bartman? Yeah. Um, uh, So Natalie comes back around after she gets her coffee and is like, so sorry. And she hugs the person I'm with. And then she says, hi, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And I was like, nice to meet you. Oh my God, Alyssa, Natalie Portman was sorry to interrupt you. She was sorry. She couldn't have been (laughs) cuter or more friendly. Also, I wanted to be like, Uh, No problem. When I was a teenager, I brought a picture of your very short hair and V for Vendetta into the hairstylist and got it cut like that. Anyway, nice to see you. Whatever. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah. So then she leaves. And then the person I'm with goes, sorry, that must have seemed crazy that I said hi to Natalie Portman and then didn't acknowledge it. (laughs) Oh, thank God. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, No big deal. You just seemed like the coolest person in Hollywood. And then she explained that she went to college with Natalie Portman and they were in a dance company together Ooh. so I was like okay this makes much more sense she was like yeah I was just trying to play it cool because she was still like in eye shot basically yeah um so that was very exciting that's so thrilling and I also feel like I was kind of telling you that 
there's this is so bougie but I'm just gonna lean into it do it you know being an actress you start to some celebrities sort of become like co-workers you know you've been on various shows um you've you've uh you stop sort of freaking out about every single famous person and it becomes a little bit more specific to what yeah. you're excited about mm-hmm. um not that you're not excited the first time you're working with them but when you're around them you're like all right they're just like us no problem yeah. um so <laughs> for me I always freak out whenever I see reality stars mm-hmm. and one time I was at Chaconi's in West Hollywood and I was with a friend and we were about to leave the restaurant because we'd finished our meal and I saw Mauricio from Real Houses of Beverly Hills <gasps> at a table with like 15 people and I was like oh my god is that Kyle Richards entire family and it was all of her daughters Kyle Mauricio and like extended family it seemed like oh my god and I fully did I turned around I did like a full (laughs) u-turn and walked (laughs) over past their table like as if I was a server or something (laughs) just sort of like eyeing to see if they needed anything is everybody good over here yeah exactly and in my mind it was like yep yep okay there's uh there's Sophia and there's Portia and there's Farah and Marisa's here okay good this entire Richards family and let's go talk about it at the valet stand my friend was like what are you doing can you oh my gosh I would have done the same thing yeah so um, that was very especially exciting. seeing them in that context. It's almost it's it's basically a scene from Real Housewives yeah. of Beverly Hills. It's like her having dinner with her whole family, and they're all dressed up. It's this beautiful restaurant. It's like mm-hmm. such a good scene. Mm-hmm. So I would have felt if I were in your shoes, like I was just walking into one of my favorite shows. Yeah, ever. for sure. I mean, <sighs> incredible. And I bet they were all beautiful. They were was all this beautiful before she had bangs. It was before she had bangs. I think Good actually times. it was last year, right around this time. It seemed very much like a everyone's home from college. Let's like go out for a meal, dinner. Mm. Um, yeah, I remember you had texted me about it, and I was honored. It yeah. was thrilling. You were like such a good sighting. It's such a good sighting because it's not only one of them. It's it's the whole family. And the I love family. that whole family. And I have such a crush on Maurizio. Yeah. They were, God, I like cute. wanted to be, they're the family that you like want to be invited over to their stuff all yeah. the time. Yeah. And I know? also believe, sometimes I see uh, celebrity friendships online and on Instagram and I'm like, this feels forced. Or the picture that I'm seeing, I'm like, they know people just want to see this combination. Whenever I see someone hanging out with Kyle Richards, I'm like, lucky them. Yeah. I bet Kyle Richards is a fucking fun friend yeah I bet she's the mom who always has like so many of the fun snacks out yeah. you know like that's <laughs> she's Kyle's vibe to me yeah for sure that's very true um should we talk Ooh. about BravoCon yes BravoCon had happened and it looks so cool I can't believe we didn't go I'm very <laughs> upset I had first heard about it when my sister-in-law let me know what it was and she was like this if this wasn't so crazy expensive, like there's no yes. way I wouldn't be doing it. And I couldn't agree more. But looking at it, I, I had a moment, I wonder if a lot of us had, where I heard how expensive it was and I was like, oh, fuck that. And now seeing some of the pictures online and seeing some of the coverage on Bravo, I was like, this was balls to the wall, hardcore. They did not it looks very it looks worth it yeah it looks worth it we were texting and I was saying it's like Coachella meets adult Disneyland like it's yes just all your favorite characters intermixing I very much was like how many people did Kristen Doty sleep with did she sleep with Shep yes. from Southern Charm did she sleep with Austin from Southern Charm did she sleep with Craig from Southern Charm I love Charm? when they said that Shep didn't recognize uh one of the captains oh, from yeah. uh below below med right yeah. below, deck below deck med yeah uh, and she was like, that's okay. I'm a real housewife of Thailand. And yeah. he believed her. Thailand Ocean. <laughs> Thailand Ocean like, or something. And we're like, oh, this is just two so silly, silly people having I, a conversation uh, they shouldn't have. I watched that full panel they had that was sort of like a special watch what happens live. And 
I have to say the lighting was brutal. It was like you could see every single imperfection. Mm-hmm. You could see a lot of like, you know, those squiggly veins people get in their head when they have so much Botox. Like almost every single person yeah. had that. Yep. It was tough. I was like, who, let's learn, be better for next year. Better live sound, better lighting. Yeah, but it also made it feel a little bit more authentic to me in that I was like, this looks like a convention. Mm-hmm. Like the bad lighting and everybody being forced together and not having that much time to talk. I was like, this really feels like a convention. Yeah, Tinsley got booed for getting back together with Scott, yeah. which is very funny. Awkward. She's like, you guys know I'm happy. It's like Tinsley. <laughs> Tinsley, no. <laughs> Either quit like the it. show or move on from Scott. Also, could we talk about something we both cited, which was Anthony from Queer Eye oh my just God. in the audience? Yeah. What are Netflix and Universal like not friends? Like, why can't he yeah. get a special pass? So bizarre. You would think because there's got to be so many celebrities that were there. Yeah. But for, he was just nestled in the audience just amongst all of the commoners. It's I mean, the commoners, the people who like balled out to go. So crazy. But it looked and then it made me question. I was like, oh, maybe people in the front row it is a couple of celebrities and stuff and it wasn't it was just normal people and Anthony I know good that for was, him yeah it kind of made me like him a little yeah. a little more I, I dreamt up like a situation where he was like bringing his mom or his aunt or like came right. with some girlfriend or like it was a gift that he had but he it's, also just looked really invested in it so. I do think it's kind of strange like the camera found him in the audience, but they didn't shout him out. You know, like if you go to a basketball yeah. game or a baseball game and there's celebrities there and they'll put them on the camera knowing that everybody knows who they are and they'll like wave and be like, hey, nice to see you. Why didn't Andy be like, Anthony from Queer Eyes here? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Andy very, didn't, doesn't even need it. Very weird. He doesn't give a he fuck. He was undercover. Yeah. Um. Did you want to bring up something from Keeping Up with the Kardashians this I week? I did. Okay. Alyssa, you don't keep up with a capital K, correct? No, I mean, like, I've watched it. I think I watched it more when I was in high school because mm. I grew up around there. Mm-hmm. Like, Agora and Calabasas are very, they overlap. They're different worlds, for mm. sure. But, um, you know, like, I would see Rob Kardashian at the community center playing basketball sometimes, stuff like that. But I'm not, I haven't kept up with every single season sure. to this point. sure. I definitely went through a spell where I wasn't watching it a lot. And then, uh, but I, I feel like on Instagram too, I ultimately am watching so many clips. Mm-hmm. But recently I got the E app. Mm-hmm. And man, it's just so easy to keep up with a capital K when you have the E app. So I was watching this week's uh, episode and I loved a certain conflict, we will say, that came up. And I wanted to get your opinion on it. So Courtney's daughter Penelope and Kim's daughter North have birthdays that are two or three days apart. Okay. So for the past five years, they have had birthday parties together, dual mm-hmm. birthday parties. And because they're the Kardashians, they, uh, the two moms just asked the two young girls, what do you want your birthday party theme to be? And Penelope goes, I had a dream that our birthday was Candyland themed and there was candy everywhere and candy spelt out Penelope and North happy birthday. And they were like, okay, cute, we'll do it. Mm -mm. So because they just dreamt it, which is so uh, unbelievably insane to me, Kim and Courtney start planning a Candyland themed party. They hire this really, really famous party event planner who did Kim's wedding to Mm -hmm. do it. They all hop on a conference call and she's like, great, it's candy cane themed, uh, candy cane, candy land themed and we'll have candy everywhere. 
And Courtney is like, right, but we won't actually have candy there because candy is like so bad for you. Which, by the way, one of the few episodes I've actually seen of Keeping Up with the Kardashians is when Chloe puts herself in a bathtub full of Lamar Odom's favorite candy. Do you remember Ooh, this? No. She was naked Ew. in a bathtub full of runts or something. Ew. <laughs> That's so gross. Anyway. That sounds like Chloe, though. New Chloe, but yeah. Um, that's really funny. But the debate spirals in that Courtney is like, I do not want any actual candy. And Kim is like, it's a fucking Candyland themed party, Courtney. Mm-hmm. Like, get over it for the day. And I found myself watching it. And as stupid and as like frivolous and obviously like privileged as the whole debate is, mm-hmm. I kind of kept flip-flopping as to whose side I was on. Because mm-hmm. Courtney, one of her big platforms is like she she like speaks in Washington about changing food label laws so everybody knows what they're eating and she's like all healthy all the time mm-hmm. and uh so I kind of get it. she's like I don't want to have an event where it's just a bunch of like chemicals and bullshit and, right. fat and stuff that's so bad for you mm-hmm. and but Kim is totally right and she's like it's their fucking birthday yeah. like you're, they're gonna indulge in sweets anyway and also it's the theme and it's the theme that the girls want like yeah. we're not arbitrarily like picking it because we want it and of course the whole thing like becomes the whole episode and the way they stretch small issues to go <laughs> over 30 minutes is really insane yeah. it's amazing not a lot happens in that show but the irony of it all is, well, first of all, before I tell you the end, whose side are you on? Are I you don't pro know. Candy? So knowing that Courtney's background is healthy eating, I get why she realizes she's on camera. She probably mm-hmm. realizes she has to make a case so people don't say like, see, 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 she doesn't actually practice what she yeah. preaches or whatever. Um, but I... I don't know. It, it It's a kid's birthday and it's Candyland themed. Like if you don't want them to have candy, then don't make a Candyland Don't make theme. a Candyland theme. What, are we going to have a Candyland themed and have vegetables? Like that doesn't make any sense. I know. Also, a great way to have your kid's friends turn against them is be like, I'm having a Candyland birthday party <laughs> and then have no candy. And then no candy. Yeah, they're setting themselves up for failure. But like the, the real stickler of it was that the girls picked it. So there was no nudging on the actual theme. And they end up uh, compromising. And by compromising, they just, like, do everything that Kim wants, which I think is so funny. They have the party. It looks insane. It's so lavish. It's crazy. And there is all this candy. The kids all start eating the candy. And they start going fucking nuts. Mm -hmm. So it's just just all of this footage of these kids running around and screaming. And there's a shot of, of Kim, like, trying to pull candy literally physically out of, I think, Saints hands and yeah. just she's like this is the worst mistake of my life That's and they go so back funny and they go back, cut to like a cute testimonial of both kim and courtney and kim is like should there have been less candy <laughs> yes and courtney's like that's exactly what i've said she's like no it's still so it was just a very it was so ridiculous how invested i got in this really stupid storyline and i just Oh, man, I got to keep I have a story that's sort of similar to that that makes me empathize. So look, you want a controlled amount of candy, I think is what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't want no candy so people's parents and kids are pissed off and you don't want a free-for-all so people are literally like cracked out of their minds, like jumping off the walls, you know, because they had too much sugar. But so when I first graduated college, um, my mom owned a little children's theater and we would put on plays. Um, 
And I directed one of the plays, like, as I was sort of, you know, part-time receptionist, like, just trying to scrap <laughs> a few uh, gigs together. And I directed Willy Wonka, okay? Ooh. And so the kids were between 6 and 10 years old, and they were great, and um, sweethearts. And, you know, obviously there was quite a few chocolate bar props on, you know, the stage as part of the performance. And we did, like, three or four perform- performances, and... On the last night, the kids looked, you know, before the performance were like, hey, Miss Alyssa, are we allowed to eat the props tonight? Because it's our last (laughs) play. And I had been instructed, like, do not let them eat the props during the performance because you will lose control of them. Yeah. And I was like, guys, we're going to have a wrap party afterwards and you can eat as much chocolate and pizza as your parents will allow you. But on stage, we can't eat the props. Okay. (laughs) And they were like, okay. So I'm, you know, I'm like stage managing sort of like right next to where they enter the stage and they can all see me like in case they forget a line or whatever. I kind of remind them what to do. Um, And these fucking kids, (laughs) they look at me and one of them opens the chocolate bar. And they look at me and I'm like, I'm like gesturing. I'm like, do not eat the candy. Do not eat the candy. (gasps) One of them takes a bite of it and they all look at him. And then they look at me and they realize like, oh, she's powerless. This is a performance. The show must go on. Unless I literally want to like turn the lights off and be like, I said, don't eat the candy. Oh (laughs) my God. So I watched all these kids just eat the candy (gasps) during the scene. And I was like, all right, guys. Oh my God. Yes, this is the last night we're together. So I cannot do anything. You're powerless. They're going to do whatever they want. That reminds me of working on this most recent show. My character is a kindergarten teacher. And I had a scene where I was working with kids in a play. And so we're filming a kid's play. And they just call action. We're just starting. And I'm just supposed to stand next to this one little kid. And he's Mm -hmm. very darling. And he's in this costume. And he's dressed as a tree. And he's not supposed to have any lines. They call action. We're shooting the scene. And the kid just looks at me and goes, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) I kid you not, Alyssa. He just goes, I don't. And I'm mic'd. So I'm, and I'm like trying to keep it so we could salvage the footage. Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) well, it's just a couple more minutes. We're going to be doing the play. Like I'm trying to stay in character. And he looks at me and goes, my feet hurt. I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, you have to do it. Okay. (laughs) And I was like, wait, wait until we call cut. And then we could go talk to your mom. Yeah. Because she's the one who signed you up for this. And you have to do it. And later he kept just being like, well, my feet hurt. And I was like, yeah, dude, my feet hurt. He's like six for the record, like very, very (laughs) tiny. But I started that morning thinking like, oh, kids are going to be so cute. This is going to be the best. And 45 seconds into us shooting the scene, I was like, no, these these are animals. Yeah, (laughs) it's tough. You know, you want cute kids on TV, but you don't really want to have to put kids through being on set, you know. And so it's a tough, delicate balance. Hopefully his mom was like, all right, like, let's take a little sitting break. Yeah, he figured it out. I tried to give him a pep talk, but I was like already very annoyed. Mm -hmm. But could you imagine just... I don't want to do this anymore. Um, speaking of many, 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 too many children, uh, what did we think of Bronwyn's weaning party this week? She she said she'd been breastfeeding or had give, been pregnant pregnant for the last 20 years of her life. Yeah, 20 years. She has seven kids. I sat there and tried to do the math. Yeah, she was like, I've either been pregnant or feeding a child from my breast for basically two decades. Yeah. And I was like, well... You signed up for it. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's, I, I'm the kind of girl where like, I love any reason to have a party. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a funeral for my beta fish that passed away two years ago. Like Aww. I like love an event yeah. really. Um, it was great. He's illegally buried at a park in Los Feliz. Oh, very good. Uh, we sang Amazing Grace <laughs> and then we went out to drinks. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm pro her having a party, but it also ended up just becoming very kind of sex themed in a way that yeah. I, I think a lot of the other characters thought was uncomfortable. So the party was supposed to celebrate her freeing the nipple and her breasts were back to herself. And I totally love that. Mm-hmm. But then everyone hired strippers and there was like, Rest and dildo themed stuff and it yeah. got like it became more like a crazy kind of bachelor party, party or yeah. like a divorce party mm-hmm. almost so I have to say I might sound a little prudish but I didn't end up loving the party. here's what I learned about myself I would rather see a bare naked breast than a breast with a crinkled up pasty mm-hmm. like flesh colored pasty I was like this is sad yeah it's not sexy. it was not a celebration of her boobs because they looked so taped she up kept, like and... she was drunk and she kept pulling them out and shaking them around and having fun and i get that maybe she's like oh this is safer than just exposing my whole breast but i was like no then get a fun no. pasty not like yeah. a sad pasty no one is it looked like see. yeah it looked like a chicken breast fillet like smooshed onto yeah, her it boob. wasn't great no no so that's a big thumbs down from yeah. Alyssa and Taylor over here at table flipping of if your we party, Bronwyn. For twenty years, please don't throw us a winning party. Yeah, I don't want a winning party. Definitely, like throw me some sort of party, but like I just don't want to. I don't want to do that. I also think, and I'll just toot my own horn here. It's mm-hmm. not a visual medium, as we say, but I, I got a great rack, mm-hmm. and I could say that because I don't have a good butt, mm-hmm. and so it's all, you it's, do. it's a balance. You do, I've more oh than God. your rack, you. and I, can, I, I will vouch for both, but I have specifically complimented you on oh, your butt before. Oh, that's so <laughs> kind, that's so kind, but like, even now, and I, and I could get very drunk and ready to party, I just never feel like showing yeah. off my boobs publicly, especially if I was on national TV, um, and I, I, I just am really baffled by all of the housewives who love taking their tops off and yeah. their tops are not their breasts are not the best that they have been no so i were they always boob flashers or now they are now becoming boob flashers later in life i don't know maybe it's a camera situation like where you you're starting to wane from the spotlight so you you pull a flash situation (laughs) but yeah I'm with you I never I've never really been a flasher Mm. either so um you're welcome mom and (laughs) so I I I can't say I identify I do think in Bronwyn's situation specifically it's like you know she got married when she was like 18 yeah and she's been with that guy this entire time they've had you know she was like giving birth until last year basically so maybe she never got to explore her like wild child yeah so this is it yeah great good to each their own to each their own um new jersey and atlanta this week i i feel a little bit like they were filler episodes both of them were sort of teeing up for like a major square off between two housewives Mm -hmm. um i don't feel like they're trying to act like this jackie Teresa fight is a big deal and i just don't think jackie's like uh, worthy opponent. Of oh Teresa. yeah, you've made that very clear. Um, yeah. Also, I had a, an issue with Jackie's hair clips. They were just like regular black bobby pins in her blonde hair, and I'm like, this is a housewives franchise. Mm. If you're gonna do some sort of like bobby pin design, you need to like take a clue from Dorit and yep. come to play. Like yeah. put a crystal or a butterfly or something. Yeah. In there, level you know? up. 
No. So, Boring black bobby pins. No, thank you. And then Atlanta. I, I don't know. Atlanta was definitely teeing us up for the. Nini. The, yeah. Like fight. a confrontation that's going to be next week. Yeah, I found myself like texting a little bit more during yeah. those episodes. They're still fun, but it's just kind of leading to something else. Yeah, but that's okay. Every this it's a long season and every uh every season has a couple clunkers, so <laughs> a we're all clunkers. Good. So we sort of feel like our podcast has shown that we're like maybe reality TV psychic a little bit because mm. our first two guests when we had them on and they, you know, told us what the topics that they wanted to talk about that week something major happened with Vanderpump and then with The Bachelor and then again we had a guest on who you guys will hear today um named Charlotte who's a wonderful comedy writer and she wanted to talk about Survivor and I was like oh who watches Survivor that was sort of my (laughs) angle like interesting that this show still has an audience and then a big huge thing happened in Survivor Mm -hmm. um so, and it's kind of interesting because the timeline was we had Charlotte on and then it happened right after. So we wanted to do a little bit of an update with it. Yes, just a little bit of a catch up. And it's certainly very long and complicated. So it's worth a, a Google to kind of get mm-hmm. the full story. But essentially what Charlotte explained to us had happened because she's watching the current season that's on the air is that there was a bit of a Me Too situation where there were uh, there's a contestant on the island who was accused of doing inappropriate touching, was accused of inappropriate touching. And when the victim, let's say, spoke up about it, it ended up becoming, instead of a situation that was handled kind of honestly and properly, mm-hmm. it became part of the game on the island. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, like, lying happened, and... Um, it resulted in the victim being ejected, sent, home, sent yeah. home from the island, as opposed to the person who was accused of the inappropriate touching in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and there seems to be a lot of players involved. It seems like there was two women who had feigned being sort of an ally and a trusted mm-hmm. friend to this woman. And then later they retracted that and said that they were simply playing the game and trying mm-hmm. to be strategic. And they were in fact on the side of the man who was being accused. So it's very, it seems all very sad. I know I'm doing probably a butchering of the summarizing of it, but it was kind of a bummer because when Charlotte was on with us, and as you guys will get to hear, she was uh, celebrating the fact that so often Survivor has been on the right side of a lot of kind of social arguments and different things that will happen to the the players on the island. And this is one of the first cases where she doesn't feel that it was handled properly and that it was just kind of a sad and frustrating experience for her as a fan, but also as a woman watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we would be remiss not to address that in our episode that is celebrating Survivor. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because the whole episode, the whole interview is about how there's more ways to win as a man than there is as a woman mm-hmm. in the game of Survivor. And this is another thing that it's like, how how do you deal with this? You know, yeah. if everything is part of the game and the producers are not going to step in and make a decision on behalf of everybody, as they, it sounds like they have in the past, how do you continue forward as a woman and it's such a I mean as she says it's a microcosm of reality in that this woman was put in a situation that was like well if I speak up I'm going to be dealing with Mm -hmm. a lot of obstacles that I'm not dealing with now but if I don't speak up there's what am I supposed to do am I supposed to keep enduring this and in her position it's on TV. She's being filmed. Mm-hmm. So the audience does see a little bit of this 
touching and his behavior and like sees actually is seeing him kind of cross the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why it seems really heartbreaking when she gets kicked off and then also doesn't get to speak up for herself after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, because it sounds like there was a tribal council discussion about the incident once she was already voted off, which is kind of super duper fucked up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was, uh, it speaks to our weird psychic juju that we... <laughs> to bring this back to us being psychic, which yeah, is the important thing. Yeah, to bring this back thing. to us having another <laughs> power, I Not guess. me too, not sexual harassment, no, us being psychic. No, it's us being powerful. Listen, we are meant to be podcasting. If the you have is, a reality show that is struggling, come on here and talk about it and something ratings it. worthy will happen. It's true. Because we talked about, oh, I was like, Survivor, that's still on. Yeah. And then we spend all this time talking about Survivor and then, hey, it's in the headlines. And then guess what? Someone me too someone. And then guess what? So it's That's all terrible. happening. We're not trying to make light of that situation. No, I'm just no. saying we're psychic. That's all. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoy the interview with Charlotte. Hi. Okay. Today we're here with Charlotte Austin Johnson, who's a writer on the show Perfect Harmony on NBC, starring Bradley Whitford, Anna Camp. Full disclosure, my boyfriend also works on this show, so we're going to be plugging that away here. Um, And she's here to talk to us about Survivor. Yeah. The show Survivor that I know stunningly people are usually surprised to hear is still on and that I'm watching it but yeah so the reason why we wanted to have Charlotte on the show is because I don't understand why anyone would continue watching Survivor when there's so many reality options at this point like obviously we've talked about how we're big Bravo fans here where there's mm-hmm. The Bachelor there's 90 Day Fiance like a whole TLC like love after lockup all of that stuff but you are truly the only person that has stuck with I think the first reality show ever launched in the U.S. So loyal. I'm a very loyal person. I want you to know that. But I also want to throw a curveball down. I haven't stuck with it. This is a relatively new uh, interest. I would say a few years ago I started watching it and I've gone back and watched a bunch of old seasons and I've watched the past five or six seasons live mm-hmm. and I'm starting to get other friends into it Amazing. we've started yes. a little like fantasy league yes but this is not the story of watched it like watched the first season with my family and have just carried on which I think is what most people's experience is yeah well you know what's interesting I agree with Alyssa it's like you don't often hear that people watch it but the only time I do it's people who are like I am addicted. It is the best show. It is a whole. And I have a good friend, Tyler, who had the same experience and has just like gone back and watched all of them and is like just a living encyclopedia of all the names and all of the situations. And it almost scares me a little bit when I hear a show, uh, hear about a show like that, because I know I'm just going to completely fall victim to it and I'm going to be addicted within minutes. Researching for this before you got here, I was like, this looks great. So crazy. Okay, so do you want to do like a little overview of how the show is set up? So the gist of it is um, a certain number of people on a desert island, somewhere usually between like 20 and 30 people. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, it started, the first season was very much this scene more as a social experiment of we're taking all these different people from different walks of life and they have to build a society together and also vote people off. Okay. I think that in the mind of the producers, it was going to be, oh, this guy isn't carrying his weight around camp. He's getting voted off. This person doesn't perform well enough in the challenges. She gets voted off. But 
Um, on the first season, there was a guy named Richard who ended up being the first winner, and he came in and um, he started the first official alliance. He was with three other people, and they just had a voting block, and they went through and um, voted a bunch of people off the game, and it became this much more strategic thing. Interesting. Oh. So they yeah. kind of used the rules in a way people didn't expect. Totally, and um, Jeff Probst, who has been the host of the show and is an executive producer on the show, um, said that... That he believes that if Richard Hatch hadn't been in the first season of Survivor, it would have been a three-season, four-season wow. show. And it's a 39-season show. Yes. 39 seasons, 39 two seasons. seasons a year. It's a pre-9-11 show. It started I, in the year 2000. Started in the year 2000. And as you said, I think it is sort of considered the first reality show. It's insane. I literally remember being in like third or fourth grade standing in line to like go into your classroom or whatever and people's parents were talking about it yeah yeah um so you have all these people on the island and they're split up into either two or three teams at the beginning mm-hmm. um and tribes as you said at its most pure form um the two tribes compete in a challenge one tribe wins immunity the other tribe goes to tribal council mm-hmm. and someone gets voted off of the losing tribe of the losing okay. tribe and that's sort of it at its most simple um, but it's grown in a really like interesting strategic way over the past, you know, 40 seasons, 20 years. So, for example, we were looking at some clips based on the contestants that you wanted to talk about. And um, Parvati. Parvati, yeah. Par- Parvati. Okay, she, <laughs> she was, one of her skills seemed to be flirting with men. Yeah, so I think <laughs> to answer the question that you were asking about like women represented on Survivor, it's a really interesting range and it is definitely very representative of how we sort of see mm-hmm. women in society, I think. Um the there's always sort of the quote unquote like younger hot girl who is either there sort of as eye candy expected to be kind of an easy vote mm-hmm. or in the case of some people like Parvati is sort of the best example of that um she's played three times she mm-hmm. won the third time she played and the first season her whole the way that the producers edited her season she was seen as just this sort of flirt who wrapped all the guys around her fingers right. flirting with them walking around and you know they're they're all wearing bathing suits and And the way that the guys talk about her in that season also is very representative of, like, them. They all think that they have a chance with her Mm -hmm. and they all, (laughs) like, all these things that are very interesting. It becomes this boiled down, intense um, space in which real life conversations have to be taking place. Right. Um, And at the end of her first season, Mm -hmm. she sort of had this narrative around her that we're talking about of being very flirty and not necessarily much beyond that. And she comes back for her second season, which is a heroes versus villains returnee season. Right. It's considered one of the best seasons. Um, and she's put on the villain squad, which is... Do they is, not tell people if they're a hero or a villain? They tell them when they're there. Right. They're, but, but beforehand, they're like, no clue. Um, I Honestly, I'm not... To- I think that's probably the case, but it also the way that these edits happen, and I think this is like an important thing to discuss in this larger conversation mm-hmm. is, um, and I'm sure this is coming up a lot for you guys on the podcast, of the fact that there is this secondary lens that we're viewing all these people in these episodes, which is the editor. Right. Um, and on a show like Survivor, where they know who the winner is going to be before the end of the season, that really colors the way that the show is edited. Mm-hmm. But Parvati in her second season... Where she comes back and she's on the villain squad which i think is already notable because she what 
what is being perceived as like villainous behavior is her being is her using her like her flirting to right. wrap these guys around their fingers mm-hmm. and i think there's such a narrative in history around that yeah. type of woman like a, that's an evil siren yeah. exactly like, yeah, she's yeah. like using she's seducting for bad but she ends up talking about how she calls out the edit and she's like i got portrayed as an incredibly one note character oh interesting yeah um, and when she comes back in her second season and, and in her third as well, she still is using the flirtiness in different um, areas of her life and and in getting people to be on board with her. But um, in her second and her, especially in her third season, she has a lot more loyalty to the women around her. And do you think that, that the her ability to flirt and just in general that skill is usually portrayed in a hetero way in within the oh, tribes? Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's, there's never no, okay. no, 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 no. I, I in the um in all of the seasons that I've watched and from the research that I've done, there's usually always one queer character on the mm-hmm. season. Um, and rarely more than that. And it's never, it's never flirtatious. It's never Mm -hmm. romantic. Let's talk about some of the logistics. Like I have questions about bugs. I have questions about like (laughs) shelter, uh, food. I want to know like what some of the challenges are, you know, stuff like that. They get there and the beach is empty and they cut down trees and they use bamboo and they build a shelter for themselves. So they're given some basic tools. Um, yeah, they're given like a machete. Um, oh yeah, and- isn't there? Am I imagining this? Isn't there like a you can grab like one thing off a boat t- type of thing, and then you like swim? To yeah. The shore? Oh my god! Yeah, like the Hunger Games. It depends on the season, but yes, <gasps> there's this. For some seasons, there's something called the marooning, in which you're on a big boat with right. a bunch of other people. With there's fruit, there's some tools, there's nails. Yes. Sometimes there's secret advantages, right. and you have like thirty seconds to get as much as you can off the boat, and then you bring it to your to your. And you want to do this yeah <laughs> it like gave me a heart attack imagining it but yeah hell yeah it's definitely very it's an intense experience I think I think you leave and you have to process the experience what's for a while, like for the sure. worst yuckiest thing you've seen happen on the show there's some gross stuff there's um <laughs> They're, uh, they pulled a, like a pretty big bug out of this woman's ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yep, the kind that's of stuff a, I'm talking yeah, about. She yeah. wants like to a know bo- about the like bugs. My friend, she taught um, English in Guatemala for a long time after she graduated. And she told me a story about uh, they went hiking somewhere with like her friend that she made. And somebody had a bot fly lay eggs in their arm and the things like popped out. And yeah. I, that's like why I could not <laughs> do this. Yeah. They, um, th- th- now that they're in Fiji, it's a much more controlled environment. There was a season in Cambodia where it was raining a lot and you would see these people's skin and it was just like waterlogged, which Ugh. I didn't know could just like happen what does that mean it's it's just like they literally can't get it dry so it's just kind of like it's like almost like that um when you're coming out of a bath or something but it's kind of like that just constantly that's crazy um people have had cuts that have gotten infected um this one guy in one of the early seasons actually fell into the fire and his like skin on his hands was like burning off it's much more controlled than it was that's yeah yeah um so when we were researching the two women you wanted to talk about um on the wikipedia pages it talks about what tribes they're a part of and one of them was part of the tribe of 
Caucasian people. Yeah. And the other one was part of the tribe of the oldest women. Yeah. And both of those things seem problematic in their own way. The first season that you're talking about is Cook Islands, which is a season in which they decided to divide. There were four tribes and they were just divided by race Mm -hmm. and it was something that had a huge amount of controversy when it happened um they survivor lost sponsorships um did they do that did the contestants do that to themselves or the show did that to them yeah the theme of the season was you get there and you're divided by race that's tough okay (laughs) what did they what did the contestants themselves say about it like well because they have like talking heads and stuff right where they're allowed to yeah yeah one of the things that was really interesting about it is they have this the in Survivor throughout the seasons they usually have a swap in which you're in your original tribes and then at some point in the uh, season you um, you swap and then you get mixed up in different mm-hmm. tribes and and this is not defending that initial sure. idea of the theme which I think was incredibly problematic but what because this there's a swap that happens pretty quickly it ends up being. I think in a really positive way, one of the more diverse seasons of Survivor, mm-hmm. in a, which I think is great because Survivor, it's getting better, but it it really, there was a period of time where it was a lot of stereo, there were stereotypes in the sense of there was always like the six hot people who were young and very conventionally attractive. And then there was usually like one black woman frequently who got pitted into the role of like the stereotype of like the angry black woman. Right. And there was usually one queer person, usually just one gay man who was like on the f- more flamboyant mm-hmm. side. And all of these um, very specific roles and stereotypes that I think that they've done a sort of better job of casting away from but I think in this like larger conversation that we're having about reality tv and specifically you guys are talking about women Mm -hmm. there I think you you can't as much as you have to factor in the edit and how the editors are portraying something also the way that people are cast is really obviously important um overall the show in a really positive way I think has always aired on what we would consider is the right side Mm -hmm. of the argument um often being quick to sort of point out to the to the people that there was this case of this um this guy named colton and he said some very he just was behaving in a very racist way towards this other guy Mm -hmm. on his tribe and at tribal council he gets like fully called out on it by jeff probst and kind of humiliated at the experience when zeke got outed as being for being trans in a, a season a few years ago immediately everyone rushes to his defense and is like this guy needs to go like we're voting him off we're not even we're not even voting Mm. pen to paper we're just telling him to leave right now that's good yeah i like that i think what's interesting about the what you're talking about the casting and the edit we were watching an interview of uh post the villains and heroes season and it was with a villain and the interviewer was like, did you know that you were going to be a villain? And she was like, no, I thought I was going to be a hero. Like, And I think there's something interesting about talking in Real Housewives and a lot of Bravo shows. Mm-hmm. We talk about the strength of a villain and a lot of people will stir shit up in order to stay on the show. And they really lean into that kind of villainous character. But I'm putting myself in those shoes and it would be so frustrating to be on this island and play this game where you're trying to be as likable as possible. Mm-hmm. Like you're trying to make all these relationships that you're obviously being strategic about and somewhat manipulative about. But the whole goal is that people are on your side, right? And they're not voting you off. And then to come off of that and watch the show and see an edit of yourself would feel yeah. so exhausting 
and very dishonest from what your experience was. And I do think that that is a really important thing to think about with regard to thinking about women playing the game. Mm -hmm. Because there are people who come on who commit, of any gender, who commit to being all in like a villain of the season. Um, And there are certain people who win the game because of their underhandedness. Mm -hmm. But the women who have played, who played a very similarly aggressive and underhanded game, Mm -hmm. do not win in the same way that men who play incredibly aggressive, underhanded games win. Hmm. There's a lot about, I I think it's a much harder game to win as a woman. And I think you have a lot fewer options of how to play the game and win. Mm-hmm. I think that the dynamic that you have of being a woman is I think we've all experienced or at least we as a society are like talking about how women who are taking credit for their accomplishments mm-hmm. are seen very differently. Um, it's like being in the workplace and trying to get mm-hmm. a promotion and having to, to point to the things that you've done and point to your resume and not be seen as bossy or obnoxious or a bitch right. or whatever. Like I talk all the time about how <laughs> Taylor's raising her hand, everybody. <laughs> I talk all the time about how my boyfriend and I are the same, you know, we're in the same profession and we're going after the same things. And sometimes his advice to me I have to take a step back and think how is that scene coming from me rather than from him yes it's not seen as a positive like a go-getter it's seen more as like obnoxious or bitchy or whatever and you're just constantly having to check yourself what were you gonna say Taylor no the reason yeah the reason I just jumped on that is because just yesterday I was uh like buying something from a friend and Tony was like, I think that's a little expensive. You should just ask them since you're buying so much, you know, to negotiate the price. And I was like, (laughs) okay, what do you mean? And he's like, just send a text that says, hey, I'm buying a lot. What what can you do for me uh, in terms of price? And that text message, I was like, I would never say that. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I just... That's such a crazy, weird, direct, bold thing that makes right. me sound like I'm being unappreciated. My my instinct was to be apologetic about it and to right. come come from it and like, hey, I'm sorry. Is there any way that we can talk? Like, I ended up taking the text message that he drafted and making it so much like more weak because I was uncomfortable negotiating the price the way that Tony would. Yeah, which is that, crazy. It doesn't make any. Ugh. The idea of just not apologizing for wanting something. Yeah, is very difficult. It's difficult for me. Um, yeah, for I would sure. be constantly apologizing to people on this island and yeah. then like asking for favors and feeling bad. I don't know if I feel comfortable saying, "Oh, it's harder as a woman than it is." as a man to win the game but I think there are a lot more options and ways to be a man and win the game Mm -hmm. than there are for women to do that there was a great example a few years ago there was this woman named Chrissy Hoffbeck who I thought played a great game she came up with some fantastic ideas and at the final tribal council a lot of the questions that were asked of her is this is a social game and you didn't treat like you didn't engage with us in a particularly social way um and she played a really good game but the people that she had um betrayed felt even more of a betrayal from her because they saw her in like a maternal role Hmm. and um and they came at her and were very much like you you aren't you weren't social with us you didn't bond with us and it was it was very much a different expectation for her than there was for the other people Mm -hmm. one of the things that's really interesting for me watching it is that there is this double standard of alliances absolutely get crumble all the time in survivor but it's the ones that are only women that there's this narrative now of oh all women's alliances don't really work 
But there have been two cases in which two all-women's alliances pretty much rule the whole game. Um, One was in a a season called One World in Mm -hmm. which this woman who ended up winning named Kim Spradlin had her like five girls that she was in charge of Mm -hmm. and she absolutely crushed it. And then um, in the season that Parvati won, Mm -hmm. they had something called the Black Widow Alliance. And that was, have you guys ever seen the clip of the guy giving up his immunity necklace for a woman? Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of became a narrative, but it's like one of the only times this this guy, Eric, gives his uh, his immunity. He wins the immunity challenge and he gives up his, his immunity to someone else um, and then immediately gets voted off because all <gasps> these women were working together and didn't and kind of tricked him oh my god yeah yes black widow alliance (laughs) yeah that sounds fierce it was very it was great it was very fierce it was very cool um but this fear of those things the fear of the woman's alliance that has come that has continued on but what a crazy microcosm of like society yeah that's so So crazy just to play devil's advocate as far as uh like the idea of women all working together and supporting each other is easier. Sometimes I personally feel like if you have a problem with a with a woman you're close with, it's harder to trust that it's been resolved going forward and there's not still some sort of resentment brewing for me than with some men I'm friends with. And that's like sweeping generalizations. But do you feel like those interactions come to play when there is a women's alliance? Like there's challenges in a way when men and women are working together that you don't see as much on the show. I haven't seen that. That hasn't totally come up, but I do think if a thing that is important to note when I think about playing the game, why I would definitely want to consider an all women's alliance or at least be aware of keeping women in the game. If you're at a final tribal council and you're a woman with a man, it's like, Oh, I think it's only one third of the time that women have won were they able to beat a man. Hmm. So I think a factor to keep to keep into consideration whether you get along better or worse with men than women. Right. I think also is to think about the perception that the jury is going to have about you and what you have to prove in your game and what they're going to see. Referring back to what we were talking about of either not owning your game in a way that they see or being considered as bossy if you own your game too much or too intensely. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best way to win, I think, as a woman is to be sitting with one or two women next to you. Interesting. Because I just don't think it's an even playing field mm-hmm. otherwise. Tell us about this character, Siri, a little bit. Is Siri, that yeah. Siri, yeah. Okay, not like the phone uh, helper. <laughs> not, Siri. Not like the phone helper. <laughs> the but, um, phone I helper. saw on Wikipedia. mom. <laughs> <laughs> I saw on Wikipedia that she has been... A surgical instrumentalist, a home care provider, a candy factory worker, and a telemarketer. So that's pretty cool that she's so well-rounded in that way. There was this big narrative around Suri always was she had gotten off the couch because she watched her, she always watched Survivor on her couch and now she was in it herself. And that was like, that was sort of this like rags to riches story that was, (laughs) that was around her. She ends up being one of the most dominating players of the game. But I want, I, I wanted to bring her up as much as I wanted to bring up Parvati because I think Suri is an example of someone who they sort of tried to typecast, but she was so good at the game that they couldn't. What do you think she did differently? Or what did she bring to the game that was different than Poverty? Um, well, I think at the beginning, what she brought to the game was just that she didn't physically look the way that they expected right. her to look in in to fit into one of their narratives. Mm-hmm. They, Especially on that season that, 
they were split up with older women, older men, younger women, younger men. She probably wouldn't, she wouldn't necessarily have been cast the first time otherwise. Um, but she just is, she's fantastic. She's the one who really spearheaded convincing this guy to give up his immunity necklace, which is considered the stupidest move in the history of Survivor. How did she do it? She just, like, it's, tricked him into, like, thinking he would be seen as a hero for doing it or something? It's truly incredible to watch. She comes up with the idea of they, um, there's, I think, there's, it's the final five. Right. There's four women left. That's the Black Widow um, Brigade Alliance. Uh-huh. And then this guy named Eric, who, um, really likable guy, very sweet, and an, an incredible athlete. And they were all going to vote him out. And they were so sad that he won the, the immunity. And they were so disappointed because they, it meant that they were going to have to turn on each other. These mm-hmm. four women were going to have, or five women, no, four women, were going to have to figure out how to turn on each other. And Suri is sitting there and they're sitting in the shelter and she goes, you know, it would be fantastic. It would be fantastic if we could get him to give his immunity at all up. And everyone's like, there's no way. There's no way he's going to give up his immunity. Um, and she comes up with this plan where these two people, she's going to talk to him and say, well, she would go with him, but she can never trust him. Uh, this other woman's going to kind of be like, oh, I'm so scared. They're going to vote me out. Like they would never vote you out, but they're going to vote me out and basically convince him to believe that if he gives his immunity necklace away, it'll be the only way that he can go forward in the game with these three people that he wants to keep playing with. Mm -hmm. And he gives it up and these women turn on him. And it is a fantastic episode. I want to watch this. I'm excited. That's insane. Has there (laughs) ever been a uh, celebrity survivor? Um, there has not been a celebrity survivor. Some celebrities have gone on Survivor. Uh, former athletes go on a good amount. Oh, that's cool. Um, and yeah, people whose names I'm sure you would know and I do not. Um, I'm sure you would know. <laughs> um, I think it was last season, maybe two seasons ago, uh, there was the guy who wrote School of Rock oh. and was in School of Rock. Okay. Um, and sure. And that's uh, t- so random. <laughs> yeah, and he he did he did all right. He got to the final three, but he played he played pretty well. But he um, he, it, it, there were reports from the uh from the set that he like snuck weed in and just kind of was sure. doing Where, his own thing. How did they arrive on this island with nothing? They just like fly you there and drop you off. Yes, and that's it. Yes. Can you so talk he would have to... had to like put weed in his like butt or something. Yeah, it's it's unclear how it happened. And, <laughs> okay. and look, this is just speculation. I am not going on the record okay. to say you had to put weed in his butt. Okay, let's say you got you got a loose bag of weed on this island. Sure. Which maybe he had a joint. Is or like there... an edible, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That answers all my questions. Actually, I'm like, where does the lighter come from? Yeah. Where does the you know? Are you smoking out of some sort of apple? Like how? Like what are the what are the I legit really honestly apple? like I all I know is like the one tweet that was like, hey, Someone's it sounds like producers. Okay, found. so I'm just gonna it answer. It would not it, be my... any advantage to. You. I would feel so much even more anxious yeah. and dumb yeah. if I was high on I this don't island think... with strangers. I would. Yeah. That's the last thing i would sneak up my butt onto the island (laughs) i think that he um he wanted i think he wanted to be on survivor more than he wanted to win survivor would be my guess yeah and you want to win survivor me yeah if you said to me would you rather win the a million dollars or play a amazing game i'd rather play an amazing game. because the way you're making it so you can win and not have played the best game totally that's, and that's, a lot, and that's so frustrating yeah a lot of people that played the best game get voted out like final four yeah but that's part of that's part of 
you know, playing the best game. Did you play the best game if you got voted out Final Ooh, Four? I don't know. Savage. Mm. Do Is there anything you want to plug, like uh, Perfect Harmony on Hulu or anything like that? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, the head I mean, shake definitely, is so funny. You know, watch Perfect Harmony on Hulu. Um, continue listening to this great podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Ooh. And is there anywhere people can find you if they want to follow you? If they want to follow me, they can follow me on Twitter. But I don't know what my Twitter handle is. <laughs> so good. that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Th- thanks. Let's pretend that it's cool and not like a little <laughs> unprepared. My Twitter handle is Shark Attack. So C A S A C H Shark. Like my name Charlotte. C H A R K underscore 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 attack. And if you think <laughs> if you think such a ridiculously that I, long name. It's so long. Well it's it's um yeah, it's like uh it's not great. Look, has any of this been cool? No. <laughs> but that's the kind of gems that you'll experience if you follow, follow me on, you Twitter, on Twitter. Along with fifty-three other people. Wow. wow. You guys, this is a very select group of people, so get on it. Get yeah. this good content. Get in early. <laughs> yes. Um, very cool. Thank you so much for coming on and explaining the whole show to it us. It was truly Thank such you. a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you.